Hey y'all. Yeah, this is uh another episode, the fifth episode of the Triple Option Option Report podcast. And uh today I, I yesterday I talked about how I wanted to focus a little bit more on other stuff besides sports. And I will. Uh, the, the main topic today is on comic books and what I said I wanted to talk about yesterday, Spider Man. Primarily something that I've noticed has been a bit of a problem in the comic books. The movie that just came out the Spider-Verse movie, obviously a huge success, and one tidbit that I noticed that a lot of people loved was that Peter Parker, well, spoiler alert, Peter Parker and Mary Jane are married, settled with kids. Now, in the comic books, that's the exact opposite. A lot of people aren't a big fan of that. They're not a big fan of, of with Peter Parker's Spider-Man run, uh, they haven't been a big fan of it. It's been kind of a disaster to a lot of people. I kind of agree. Uh, but that's, it's, it, I think the main reason why it's been bad, which is why a lot of people have said it's been bad, is a long running problem. Not just with Spider-Man, but with a lot of characters in general. It's the lack of growing up. Legacy characters and, and, and the concept of, of legacy in comic books has been around for decades. And I've been a huge fan of it. I think it's a neat, unique thing. It's like growing up and having a comic book grow up with you in a weird, in a way. I, but I don't know. I did, you grow up with each generation gets their own version of a character. And I think that's pretty unique in some ways. And you see sidekicks grow up and turn to adults like you would in real life. It's kind of surreal. But it's also really cool to me. For some weird reason, over the last 20 or so years, people in comic books, medium, the people in the comic book medium in general, mainly editors and some writers, aren't big fans of it. I don't know why, but it, it, between Wally West taking a back seat to Barry Allen after being the main Flash for a whole generation for about 20 or so years, uh... Hal Jordan coming back and taking over from Kyle Rayner. Uh, what other ones like that? Uh, right now, Spider-Man with uh, Miles Morales is right here. Peter Parker is ready to grow up and they just won't allow it. I I don't know why. I Something, I don't know if it's a, a complex or what, but maybe some editors are, I don't know. Do you think that some of them are... Uh, afraid to grow up or afraid to feel old so they make certain comic book characters stay young to make them feel young if that's the case I don't mean to be mean but age happens it's okay to feel old please let them grow it, it gets boring and repetitive and, and it, you could write yourself into a corner or for future writers and make force them to be written Writing their things to a corner is not a good thing. I feel like with certain characters, it becomes nonsensical if they stay the same age while everyone else is growing up around them for 30 or 40 years. It's a recipe for disaster. From a continuity standpoint, and even from, from a quality standpoint, from just overall... How much, how little amount of sense it makes. It, it it could be it could end down to a complete disaster. That's what I'm saying. 
uh, I would say in regards to why it's bad, like, the situation right now in the comic books with Spider-Man and, uh, let's see, uh, the character Paul, whether it be this or trying to kill off Mary Jane on multiple occasions or breaking up Spider-Man and Mary Jane with one more day or any other stupid stuff like this. It's like they constantly just, they hate Spider-Man and Mary Jane being together. They hate Spider-Man growing up. Primarily Peter Parker. It doesn't make any sense. You have an opportunity to make a crazy change that actually makes sense. Me, personally, if I was editor of Spider-Man comic books, I would do something pretty bold. You got an opportunity here. Miles Morales has a Spider-Man comic book as well. It's doing great. People love it. Casuals love it. Hardcores love it. It makes sense. So what I would do is... I would grow Peter Parker and Mary Jane up to probably the mid to late 30s. Have them married. Settled with kids. And I'd think about making Peter Parker kind of separate from the Spider-Man thing altogether. I'd have... His whole comic book merged with Miles Morales' comic book and make Miles Morales the go-to main default Spider-Man. I would have Peter Parker and Mary Jane be like mentors of Spider-Man and appear in practically every issue, so they're still main characters. I would have Miles Morales be the main Spider-Man, be the main character. A whole generation thinks of him over Peter Parker or equal already. These movies aren't helping whatever the main editor's cause is right now is trying to keep Peter on top. And trying to keep him young. A lot of these kids are going to grow up thinking of Miles Morales as the main Spider-Man looking at these movies. Because they mainly see the movies. So, I'm not a big fan of film synergy. But in this case, I would definitely do film synergy here. So, uh, pretty much the definition of film synergy is uh, when a movie is based off of uh, whether it be a novel or a video game. Or in this case, a comic book. And it's so successful that the work that it's based on starts getting influenced by the movie itself. Like, uh, in most cases, I'm not a fan of that. Such as uh, how they dumbed down Star-Lord in the comic books, or how they dumbed down Drax the Destroyer in the comic books, even though he was already dumb somewhat, like, way before, decades before. But a new version of Drax wasn't really meant, he wasn't like that. So, yeah, there's some cases I'm, well, many, most cases I'm not a fan of. But this is one of the rare cases I am. And, like, I'll, I'll say this in general. I'm a, I'm a person that believes that film adaptations of uh, works usually aren't as good as the works itself for many reasons that aren't really in the film, like, the people who make the films control. Like, it, it's hard to show the quality of a comic book movie in a, live-action setting, that is almost impossible, so I can't really blame them. But, these Spider-Verse movies, well, this one with how they depict Peter Parker right now, honestly, is significantly superior to how the comic books are. And it's exactly the reason why is what I've just told you for the last, what, seven, eight minutes? So, yeah. Uh, not a big fan of what they're doing in the comic books. I hope they change it. And this is one of the rare cases where they can easily do that. You can just get what, copy what the movie has. And it's right there, too. You got Miles Morales right there. You got, you got your Spider-Man right there, your new Spider-Man. You got 
Peter Parker could be up there in age. He's been around for decades. He should be about the same age or near the same age as people like Cyclops and Beast who are up there too. So yeah, I mean, I, it's right there. You can easily make an easy, smooth transition. Like probably the easiest you could ever do for a legacy character without controversy. The fans are cool with it too, for the most part. Especially younger ones. Definitely younger ones. This is right there. You could have an easier, smoother, less dramatic and depressing and brutal and arguably just as iconic legacy transition as Barry Allen to, to Wally West with Peter Parker and Miles Morales. I, but, you know, it's up to the editors and editors in general shouldn't really have the power. I don't believe that editors should be able to just make or force writers to make stories. I don't think that makes sense. I feel like editors should be only there to change stories if they're ridiculous or nonsensical or inappropriate or controversial in a bad way. But like, and obviously to edit, <laughs> like that's the main reason why an editor's, that's their main job is just to edit, is not to make their own stories and then force and shove it down a writer's throat to have to make. Like, I, I, I just, yeah. But that's been a problem with comic books for decades, which is why, honestly, a lot of the bad things that happen in comic book, in the comic book industry, and a lot of the negative things or negative results for the comic book industry in general throughout the last few decades can be centered around an editor being way too overbearing and forcing with what he wants to, or, or she wants to do. But yeah, like, the, yeah, back to Miles Morales, like, again, if the editors could just get out of their own heads, he's right there. Think about how much more money you can make off of him. Potentially, we're in a new age. We're more diverse. We're more progressive. Miles Morales is a Afro-Latino. He's he's he fits a lot culturally with with how Generation Z and future generations like Alpha will be like. And even younger millennials, and well, millennials even, even though we're all getting up in there in age, we got millennials in their 40s now, but still, like, he's right there. He, he's very marketable. People like him. He's universally liked. It's like, uh, uh, what's it, Kamala Khan? Kamala Khan? Miss Marvel? Again, an easily likable legacy character. People like them. They're, they're, they're diverse. They represent generations now in America. I. It, it's right there. Like, it's it's easy. It's even think about this. Even a lot of those right wing and 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 well, some a, a, a decent amount enough of those right wing and and like comics gate losers and man children, even they are cool with Miles Morales. That's how big and successful he is. There's a lot of potential there. A black Spider-Man that everyone likes? Spider-Man is like the character for Marvel. You're talking about the most iconic superheroes of all time? We all know the, the, the trinity of, of DC. They're untouchable. If there's one character from, from Marvel who can hang with them, it's Spider-Man. And if he's black? Afro-Latino? Come on! Like, it's right there. It, but, but, you know... It, I don't know if it's ever going to change or anytime soon because, well, I don't know. It's changed for DC. Wally is back to being the Flash again. You know, so 
Yeah, who knows? Maybe, 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 maybe Marvel will do the same thing. Maybe, maybe Marvel will finally stop screwing around with Spider-Man and whoever else is like that, and and, and get in to just be Miles, have Peter Parker grow up, retired, or semi-retire, settle down, find peace. The, the, the funny thing about the whole Peter Parker has to always suffer thing that's dumb is that when Stanley originally did the whole jokey jokey thing about how Peter Parker always has screw ups, it was made for simple things. Like like if he accidentally uh overheats something in his microwave and it gets it burnt. Something like that. Like that that's all it, it meant. It wasn't supposed to be actual serious catastrophic things in his life. Like come on. It gets really just it's just weird. Like why are you doing this to the main character of your story always having him suffer? Like it, it, do people really want to read that? Like, I, there are certain characters I can see, like, I don't know, like, maybe like a Daredevil or something, like, that's always dark. But it's Spider-Man. Who is always here depressing stuff in Spider-Man? <laughs> so, yeah. That, that, was, that was just my take on it. And, and I, I, yeah, I, I, I just think that at, we, that time needs, it needs, there needs to be a time. Like, I, I feel like Peter might be up in terms of Spider-Man. I think it's it's a great time sometime soon or these next couple years where we can finally smoothly you have an opportunity here to smoothly end this crap with with, with Peter Parker and and fi- make him find peace and have a new Spider-Man that's a smooth transition. Like no problems, no controversies at all. People are fine with it. Look, I'll I'll just say this. Peter Parker is one of the most iconic characters in comic books history. And and honestly, he's one of the most iconic characters in pop culture history to me. But if there's a time, if there's an ample opportunity to finally, even his own fans are like, are like okay, come on, you guys. Like, like everyone's fine with him, with this happening. You ever, you ever, everyone's fine with this change potentially happening is right there. If there's, if, if, when you have a character as iconic as that, and everyone's fine with him being not gone, but stepping down, but still being there. It's right there. This is this is one of the most easiest ways you could do it, honestly. It's right there. It's like right for taking. That's all I'm saying. Now, uh, switching gears. Uh, I haven't talked about this topic yet. I'm about to right now. Uh, I've always been a big fan of pro wrestling as well. Uh, used to be... A big fan of WWE growing up, but uh, you know, I haven't really watched in years. It's you know why? It, it's not really the wrestler's fault. Mainly the creative decisions and whatnot. I just got burned out from it eventually, and I got new. Uh, I've always been, I I've always liked other promotions besides WWE. I was a little kid growing up, a wee little kid, <laughs> and I still remember some aspects of ECW and WCW and. My dad used to watch it. So, like, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I know other stuff beyond WWE. And I've grown up looking, watching old clips of other promotions, Jim Crocker promotions, and, uh, not just ECW and WCW, but also, like, stuff like AWA and, uh, stuff like, uh, UWI and even stuff in Japan, like, uh, New Japan and All Japan and All Japan Women's, all different types of stuff. Mexico, AAA, CMLL. You know, speaking of Japan, New Japan Pro Wrestling's most recent event, Dominion, just happened 
I'm in the U.S. So this morning for me, and I woke up around four or five in the morning and watched majority of the show. It was awesome. It did have some filler, yeah, but like the main matches to me delivered, and the aftermath of those matches is what I'm really hyped about. First off, shout out to Claudio Casnoli being on a delayed flight from the U.S. to Japan that late, getting in there like the last second and pulling off a match that quality at his age, insane. He's in his 40s doing that. So, yeah, the aftermath of this show was a a high, a, a really hype thing. We got two big matches for our next show, Forbidden Door 2, which is a, a merging of AEW and New Japan. Kenny Omega versus Will Ospreay and Brian Danielson versus Okada. Those are two dream matches. Those are matches that... Well, Omega and Ospreay is possible in the past because they both worked for New Japan, but Ospreay wasn't on that level like promotion and booking and push-wise when Kenny was back then, was with New Japan back then. Now, that's still a dream match because all of the two greatest in-ring-wise non-Japanese wrestlers of the last possibly forever? Like, of all time up to this point? Possibly. You make a case. I, I personally think they are. You wouldn't be pissed. You shouldn't be pissed off if someone says that. That's how talented they are. And Brian Danielson and Okada, you make a case, arguably the two greatest in general pro wrestlers of all time. That's a dream match. Brian Danielson was in, what, Ring of Honor and other prom- smaller promotions and then went to WWE and with WWE, he definitely, you definitely didn't imagine that could ever happen. Especially the success he had with WWE and how close he was with, with a lot of people up top. You you couldn't even imagine or dream that was even possible. Somehow, though, he decided, you know what? I've done my job with WWE. I'm going to go to AEW. And now, that's actually reality. And now it's actually going to happen. It's like a real dream match. This is like something you make up randomly and like, I don't know, Reddit or a message board or something. You know it can never actually happen. And now it's actually happening. This is why I'm so happy that AEW exists. I'm so happy that New Japan has been revived for the last, uh, probably, what, 10 plus years now? It, it's, it's honestly, so. It, as a wrestling fan, it's, you're, you're in a blessed area, honestly. This, this era right now, you've got great wrestling across the board. I'm going to say this, I don't watch WWE like that, but from what I've seen, their content, and even their in-ring stuff, is better than what it has been in a while. Everywhere across the board, you've got great wrestling. In every country. And this show is going to showcase arguably the two best promotions in the game right now. For the last decade. Putting their best out there. I just think, stuff like this is awesome. So yeah, I'm super hyped, and this is going to be a historic summer for AEW and New Japan, especially AEW with them possibly selling out Wembley Stadium. That's insane. A non-WWE American promotion have selling out possibly a 90,000-plus seat stadium? Ridiculous. Oh, and, and, and speaking of AEW, uh, Dynamite was one of the best episodes I've ever done. This past weekend. this I mean, Wednesday. This past Wednesday. Amazing. Like, nothing bad happened to me. I, I loved everything apart, about it. Th- about that episode. And Rampage. Hopefully with the addition of Collision. 
Rampage is more like this. It just becomes like a dream match show that comes on late at night on Friday nights on TNT. Like, might as well. Like, that was a phenomenal episode. It was, it was just wrestling, but it was a great wrestling. And it was of wrestlers that you don't have to care about how high the ratings are or whatever. You can just make a dream match there. Of you know, some of the more, some of the less featured acts who were great in the ring. And so, so hopefully Rampage turns to that, and that'd be that'd be great. I, I would love that. A lot of people would love that. So yeah, that's it for wrestling for right now. But uh, now going back to uh, sports, a little bit of sports because I talked about sports a lot lately. But just a little bit, uh, more of just a recap of what's happened, and and a little quick preview of what's happening tonight. Uh, yeah, in track and field, uh, my predictions for the races Grand Prix on point except for one. I uh, got the the men's 110-meter hurdles incorrect, mainly because the two main guys I thought would run didn't run. Understandable, because it was an hour late, and so the event didn't end until, like, what, almost 11 p.m.? So, yeah, I under, I understandable why they wouldn't probably want to run. But uh, my other predictions were right. Uh, Toby uh, Amusan, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. She bounced back. Runner 100-meter hurdles race. Uh, last night, we had a weird race the week before, but uh, bounced back and showed why she, she was a uh, world champion last year and world record holder. Uh, in the women's hundred, Sharika Jackson. Wow, statement made. A ten seven eight. That late at night. Scary. That was that like the second fastest time in the world for women's hundred meters right now. Yeah, she's uh, she could really double gold. 100 and 200 right now. Now that's how good she's been running. Crazy that she started out as a quarter mile. It's crazy that, arguably, you can make a case that the two favorites for the 100 meter dash, in both men's and women's, were known for years, and I knew them for years, for being quarter mile runners. And they were very good, like good enough to medal in a quarter mile. And decided, you know what? Let's try the 100 and 200. And they could win gold in 100. Fred Curley for the men's. For the U.S. and Sharika Jackson, Jackson for the women's in Jamaica, crazy. Uh, men's hundred, Coleman won. Ten o three, in those conditions, it was late. It was almost ten o'clock. Understandable. Yeah. Uh, his second half wasn't what I was hoping for for the most part, but it was still a good race. His start was nasty as usual. So and he won, and he won kind of comfortably. So, yeah, it's fine. Uh, and the last one. Got 200-meter dash. Noel Lyles. It's 10.30 p.m. in another country. I believe he's only ran there, what, once or twice before? A 19.67? With little wind, almost a headwind? In Jamaica... A lot of Jamaican fans aren't big. A lot of Jamaicans aren't big fans of Noah Lyles, for obvious reasons. <laughs> and going to that race, they weren't. But at the end, they were cheering for him. That's how fast he ran. And in seeing that image of him, dapping it up and, and and hanging out and talking with Usain Bolt, I mean that's pretty crazy. That's surreal. You're looking at the two greatest 200 meter sprinters of all time. And one from a past generation, like. You know, conversating and, and giving confidence and, and giving advice to the one of the current generation. That's pretty crazy. 
And heck, right now, looking at the guy who just ran 1989 in the Diamond League race, only 19 years old, first year at high school, uh, you're already looking at the guy in the next generation, Aaron Knighton, special talent. But yeah, Noah Lyles, man, I, I don't know. I feel like he could, him running that fast, that early, he's never done that before. If he, at three, he's going to the conference he has, I, I'm not going to say something that's crazy. You never know. I also say this. If he were to do what would be considered the impossible and break that world record in 200, I wouldn't be that surprised. He's on a roll right now. Like, this is kind of scary. A 1967 with barely any wind, 10.30 p.m. in another country, when the next fastest dude ran, what, a 20.2 in that race? He's, this is the best I've ever seen him. And he ran 19.31 last year. I mean, that's not that far off from 1919. You don't know. Like, he's, he's healthy. He's fit. He looks, yeah, I, he looks better than he ever has. Right now, he just ran, I think his fastest debut ever for a season in the 200. It's got to be. He looks special. That's all I'm going to say. Like, if he were to break the world record, I would not be surprised. But that's not even the craziest thing that happened in track and field this uh, past weekend. A high school girl, Shanti Jackson, ran a 10.89-100, beating out a field of nothing but professionals in high school. Insane. A 10.89 is... Obviously, the fastest an American 18-year-old has ran. It's actually joint fastest for an 18-year-old, which is crazy around the world. Someone else ran that <laughs> at 18 years old. But, yeah, 10-8-9 in high school? Was that her season debut? I think that was her season debut, which is crazy. But that's, that's insane. And how she ran... She can... She definitely has a future. Like, I'm not saying she's going to break Flojo's record or anything like that, but with how we handle high school athletes now in track and field, we handle them a lot better than we did in the past. So many of the star high school track and field athletes, for the most part, almost all of them in the last, what, five plus years now, or since 2016, have succeeded and have met, to a certain extent, some way, shape, or form, expectations. So I definitely think if she has the right surrounding people around her, which she does, her dad, former Olympian Bernard, what, Bershon? Jeez, Bernard. Bershon Jackson. I remember seeing him run the 40-meter hurdles for years. Pretty crazy that a person I remember seeing while I was in high school, middle school, is now the father of a future, to me at least, high school sensation in track. That's pretty crazy. Shows how old I'm getting. Joking. Now... Yeah, like she, yeah, she, she, she has a bright future. Ten, eight, nine in high school. That's crazy. Like, I don't think people understand how surreal that is. That's like good enough to make her a medal contender already as a high schooler. There's a lot of, the, the future of track and field is bright right now. It, it needs more, a lot more attention than it gets. I'll say that. Like, there's so many stars and, and all-time athletes right now that are breaking world records or tying records. It, it needs the attention that. I grew up with it having. And uh, two last things. This is a quick little, a quick recap of, of what happened last night and what's coming up tonight. Uh, 
Stanley Cup Finals. That prediction, I was absolutely incorrect on. I thought, you know, how Florida Panthers had played and who they had beaten, I thought this was going to be a team of, des- of, of destiny. It could still be a team of destiny's hockey. Anything can happen in hockey. You get blown out in the first three games and make a comeback and tie the series up 3-3. It's, it has happened before. I've seen that happen before. I mean, I, heck, that almost happened this this playoffs. But, uh, yeah, no, what 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 uh, the Golden Knights did. I mean, it looked like it could like it was going my favor in the first two periods, and the third period happened. Yeah, that's that's a very good team. That's a very good team. The Vegas Golden Knights are no joke. They demolished them in the third period, five to two. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's still a chance. There's only game one, and hockey is a very wonky sport like that. But, yeah, I was not right on that one so far. As for the NBA Finals, that's my other thing I was going re- to talk about coming up tonight. Uh, like I said before, it's kind of uh, inevitable, you know. Like, uh, yeah, Jokic, the Nuggets, it's too much. Jimmy Butler is going to have to have the game of his life for the Heat to even be in this. Every game, practically. Like, if Caitlin Barton's going to be shut down like that, if the supporting cast can't shoot threes like that, doesn't matter. Like, it's still going to be... I, I still watch it because the Nuggets are playing at a very sublime level. But outside of that, if you're thinking that this is going to be a, a close in back and forth in a competitive series, I don't know what to tell you. I personally don't think it will be. I think it'll be a very dominant sweep. So uh, that's it for today. Uh, Stay tuned for future episodes because you never know what I'll talk about. All right, y'all. See y'all.